You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Tommy Pham has gotten off to a rough start in spring so far, which has led me to wonder if the Mets maybe should have just avoided signing him in the first place. Was this a mistake signing? We're going to discuss that in the first segment. Again, to the spring numbers, but more concerning what he did last year and the role that the Mets are trying to have him fill this year. In the second segment, we'll get into his projections a little bit. Also discuss the awkward fit of him and Darren Ruff trying to make the team at the same time. Then we're going to close the show with a guy that is showing up pretty well in camp so far, Tim LaCastro, that could fit this roster based on his ability to play good defense and bring some speed to the bench. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, Tommy Pham has gotten off to a rough start in spring. On Tuesday, we saw him make two errors with the glove, and with the bat, he just has not hit at all yet. He's two for his first 19. He struck out six times. He's walked three times. Not that we're going to get carried away with spring at bats, but you can say now across, you know, seven games of a sample that Tommy Pham doesn't look great out there, and that's building off of a season where he wasn't good. Tommy Pham last year played in 144 games, right? He started the season, Cincinnati, ended up in Boston. Both stops he hit in the 230s, 238 hitter in Cincy, 234 in Boston, both in hitter-friendly ballparks. With an on-base percentage of 320 in Cincy, 298 in Boston. Slung percentage identical at 374 uh, between both of the stops. He did hit 17 home runs altogether, 11 with the Red Six with the Red Sox. His weighted runs created plus, which measures hitters based on a league average of 100, was 89. So 11% worse than your league average hitter. He was worth about a win last year, 1.1 when it comes to his fan grass wins above replacement. Tommy Pham ends up signing with the Mets for this specific role at $6 million where he's going to get some at-bats against left-handed pitching. He's going to be a fourth outfielder that can you know, spare Canna and Nemo and Marte at all three spots in the outfield and maybe get some time at DH. Yet, you're looking at a player that you know is 35 years old. He just turned 35. Wow, I'm doing a Tommy Pham is struggling podcast on his birthday. I'm just realizing this now. we, we got to lean into it at this point. Happy 35th birthday, Tommy. Here's why I think the Mets should cut you by the end of the season. This is horrible. I feel bad, uh, but it is what it is, man. Uh, look, I, I understood the signing at the time. You were reeling off of the Carlos Correa uh, fall through. All the other options faded from the market. Adam Duvall, A.J. Pollock, Andrew McCutcheon, all guys that the Mets showed some interest in. And ultimately, they went with like plan D, and that was Tommy Pham. Now, 
this is not to say Tommy Pham can't succeed in Major League Baseball, but you're looking at a guy who has never played a role that now has to fill in and do that. And the reason why I say he hasn't played a role is because if you look at what he's done since 2017, this guy's been an everyday player, you know. 530 played appearances 2017, 570 in 2018, 654 in 2019. He plays half a season in 2020, then back to 155 games in 2021 with the Padres, 561 played appearances. Last year between two teams, still got over 600 played appearances. So here's someone who has not had to play in that specialized role, who struggled last year as a starter, now is he going to thrive as a part-time player? That's something that we will never know until the season starts and we see how the role shakes out. But what I'm nervous about here is that Buck Showalter is going to see a player of famous pedigree and he's going to try to force him into the lineup. We saw Tyler Naquin get a lot of run at times where maybe he shouldn't have down the stretch last season because you look at someone who has you know, played in that everyday type role in the past, and to keep them good, you got to get them out there or they're going to be useless. But if you get them out there too much, you could be taking away at-bats from better outfielders. And as we sit here in spring and it's early, I do wonder if the Mets made a mistake because you have a Tim LaCastro that we're going to talk about in the final segment today who you know, maybe can thrive in a role, can be the Travis Jankowski in this team, and maybe the Mets were reaching to, to get a player uh, of a higher caliber than what they needed to fit the roster that they have. And I think that's maybe where they messed up with Tommy Pham. I do understand what the original plan was. You look at his numbers last season against left-handed pitching. He was still uh, an above-average hitter. He hit 273 with a 338 on base and a 446 slugging against lefties. Had a 115 WRC+. plus, But then against righties, that dropped off to an 81 WRC+. Plus. An on-base percentage barely over 300 at 303 and an average at 224. A slugging percentage at 349. Look at the home runs and the split there against left-handed pitching. He had six of his 17 home runs. 11 came against righties. But the sample size, it's about 3-1 you know, to one there. So you know, to hit you know, half of the home runs against lefties compared to righties, that shows you the difference in power, not to mention... You know, he had six doubles against lefties compared to 17 doubles against righties. I, I just think that having him against right-handers at this point in his career is probably what the Mets are looking for. But playing in that short half of a platoon might not be the best way to get success from a guy like Tommy Pham. And because of that, I think the Mets maybe made a blunder here with their signing. We're going to get to that a little more in just a minute. I also want to address... Darren Ruff as he is back into Grapefruit League action and which one of these guys can serve a bigger role on the team this year. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season has passed. We are down to the stretch run ahead of the playoffs, which makes now the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers, you're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. There, you can bet on everything from the money line to the point spread to who's scoring points in an NBA game to who's making the most threes, all of that good stuff. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. You know what else FanDuel has? 
MLB futures. If you're looking towards betting on Scherzer or Verlander to win the Cy Young, Pete Alonso or Francisco Lindor to win the MVP, Kodai Sanga or Brett Beatty to win the Rookie of the Year, you can find all of that at FanDuel. Also, don't miss your chance again to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. When we look at the projection models for Tommy Pham, they have him being close to a league average hitter this year, but nowhere close to what he's been in the past for his career. They're not expecting a resurgence here because they have the numbers from last season, and that's what they do these projections off of. So they're looking at an average. If you look at the range at the six models, it's between 226 and 243, the on-base between 312 and 332, the slug between 351 and 384, so none of them have him getting that slugging percentage over 400. And I guess why would you when you look at the last couple of seasons, a 374 slug in 2022, a 383 slug in 2021, and then shortened sample, but a 312 slug in the 2020 season. You know, you go back to 2019, yes, he was great that year. I had three years in a row of hitting 20 home runs, but that's a little bit behind him at this point. Maybe... He can be a 15 to a 20 home run guy, but that's only if he's getting the 600 plate appearances. If he's in a smaller role and they're projecting you know, him playing 86 to 89 games, like I said, so you're looking at maybe 350 plate appearances this year. And I think from the Mets' perspective, maybe that's more than you want to give him considering the production that he's had. You'd be lucky if you get 10 home runs from Tommy Pham. I think that... When we look at this roster and who is available to this team, I just don't know exactly what Tommy Pham provides that sort of warrants that spot on the bench for the entirety of the season other than having a guy that you feel better about stepping in when one of the top three go down in that outfield to be able to be a starter for a little bit. But even with that, I look at the Mets' strength in their infield and I would much prefer Jeff McNeil sliding back out into the outfield if anybody goes down than Tommy Pham playing. Because if you imagine McNeil in left field, well, all right, you got Louis Guillorme who can step in and play a great second base for you defensively and get on base at a 350 clip. I personally believe that's going to be more valuable than the few balls that Tommy Pham is going to run into when he's maybe playing a bad defense in the outfield because we already saw him make some mistakes in spring, but you also look at negative defensive metrics in each of the last, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five seasons. So it's not like you're getting a plus defender, even though he is a good athlete. So there's that side of it. You also have a Danny Mendick who could play some second base if you had to. You could put Brett Beatty at third and slide Escobar back over to second base if you really wanted to in a pinch, where I think you believe you get a little more offense with Escobar than you would with Pham. And the defense would be bad at second base, but not necessarily the biggest of difference as to what you might be getting from Pham out in the outfield. And, you know, even if they don't decide to go in that direction in left field as far as moving McNeil out there, 
If you needed to call on Brett Beatty and left, I'd like that more as well. So when I look at this roster and I think about all the MLB contracts making it, and you have Tommy Pham and Darren Ruff on the same bench, who's taking which part of that role? Because against left-handed pitching in the outfield, I want Brandon Nimmo on the lineup every day. And why would I want Marcana or Stalin Marte to take a seat against a lefty? as both being right-handed hitters. Okay, so give him at-bats at DH. Well, would you want Pham getting those at-bats, or would you want Darren Ruff getting those bats, or would you want neither of them getting those at-bats, and instead you'd rather have a Mark Vientos on this roster where you actually believe that you're going to get some really high upside production against Southpaws. The more that we see the kids play, the more that you understand how the at-bats look different. It looks different when you have Brett Beatty step in the box compared to the way a veteran like Tommy Pham looks right now because Beatty just is locked in, he's hungry to make his debut, and he has every chance right now to prove some people wrong and to be able to make the roster out of camp. Mark Vientos, same thing for him. He's trying to prove, he said it before, I believe I can play every day at the MLB level. You got to go out and show it. He's had moments. You know, Tommy Pham has not spring training. Now, with that said, Tommy Pham has been how many spring trainings over his career? He could just be at the point where he's going through the motions a little bit, just getting himself ready. And when you get to season, you get a better version of Tommy Pham. I don't think the Mets are just going to outright cut him in camp. They're not going to admit to a mistake that quickly. But when you're trying to build out a roster, I can make the argument, again, that Tim LeCastro would bring more to a Mets bench than Tommy Pham would right now. So with that, it puts you in a weird spot, and especially when you're still hanging around the rough albatross from last year. Do you just cut bait with him? Those spots are are few and far between when you have an eight-man bullpen on that bench, and you need to get as much production as possible from those guys, and I don't know if Pham gives you that production. We're going to discuss it more in just a minute, though. First, another word from our sponsors. Now, I am not here to overreact to spring numbers and say, hey, just because Tim LeCastro is hitting 350 this spring and Fam's hitting a little over 100, he should definitely make the team over fam. That's definitely not what I'm trying to illustrate here as I now dive into what LeCastro has done and the role that he could have with the Mets. But it's more the fact that he fits what this roster needs more than a Tommy fam. Both of them are right-handed hitters, so the idea that they could play against some lefties is something that I think would hold true with either. But when you look at the spring training stats, I'm not going and saying, oh, wow, you know, here's Tim LeCastro, who's 7 for 20, hitting 350. That's incredible. What I'm looking at is the fact that Tim LeCastro is 5 for 5 in stolen base attempts. And last year, we saw Travis Jankowski bring great value to this team with defense and an ability on the base paths. We now see Tim LeCastro as potentially the fastest guy in baseball, who, with the bigger bags and the pitch clock, could be even more of a threat to swipe a bag, where in the seventh inning, when it's a tie game and... Mark Canna gets hit by a pitch. You can put in LeCastro 
to steal second base, get in scoring position, maybe score a run, and then provide great defense out in left field for you to close things out. But Castro is not a great hitter for his career. Okay, The numbers are not on his side, but he has played a role before. So even though you look at the 227 career average and 475 at-bats at this point, 325 on base has slugged a abysmal 331, what you have to understand is this is a guy that can steal a base, can play great defense in left field, center field, and right field, and maybe he can hit a lefty ever here and then, you know? But for a minor league signing, you're obviously getting more bang for your buck with LeCastro. I just don't necessarily think the Mets should have spent that buck on fam. And I think they got kind of caught up in thinking they had to make another move because all they had really done to change their roster from the year prior was making sure you got Nemo back and signing Omar Nervais. So it was, okay, here's another addition to our lineup. Here's another bat that can help us. And, hey, maybe he does. I just think that the Mets are in a position right now where other guys should be getting the playing time first over a Tommy fam. And if that's the case, why'd you go out and bring him onto the team? You know, if... Jeff McNeil is your real fourth outfielder, and you might play Beatty out and left a little bit. You don't need Tommy Pham. So uh, I hate to, on his birthday, literally be campaigning for him to be let go. But, and it's again, not even necessarily my take because you pay the money, you should let him make the roster and see what you have. I just don't know how much he has left in the tank, is, is all I'm getting at. Now, when it comes to building on a Mets bench, if you do include Tommy Pham, how do you get Tim LaCastro on the roster too? You guess you go Pham, LaCastro, Yorme, Nito off the bench with Vogelback? As great as that sounds, well, now you have the one real backup infielder with Yorme. The bench fits a lot better if you have uh, Vientos, or if you have a Beatty make the team where he could be the starting third baseman and kind of push Escobar to the bench. But how do you do that with guys like Ruff and Pham who have MLB contracts and I even left them off the bench to make room for LeCastro? I think the best bench possible at this stage would be no Pham, no Ruff. You add LeCastro to the mix with Guillaume, so that gives you your fourth outfielder and your backup utility infielder. You have Nito as the catcher, and then either you have Brett Beatty at third with Escobar joining the bench, or you keep Escobar to start the season, and you put Vientos in there as the DH option. That's what I would do if it was my roster. And honestly, I might change my opinion after more spring training action, so we'll see what happens over the coming days and weeks ahead of opening day. As always, though, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Ficklestein Ryan. Follow the show, at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. That's where you can go to start winning your leagues and doing much better in the drafts. Make sure you check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball uh, wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.